Welcome to the Decode 6 podcast, where we take your questions about carbon and ecosystem services and match them to the experts with the answers. I'm your host, DJ May. And today we're asking a very fun question. How can blockchain technology make carbon markets more transparent? Our expert with the answers is Alex Taylor. Alex is a co-founder in the digital carbon market space, pioneering the development of open source technology for carbon markets. He currently serves as strategic advisor for CarbonMark, a core contributor at KlimaDAO, and co-founder of Offsetra. In short, Alex has spent a ton of time in this space and has an invaluable perspective on how blockchain technology could help solve some of the problems facing carbon and environmental markets. Alex, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we are going to jump right in. So our big question is, how can blockchain technology make carbon markets more transparent? But before we even touch that, can we get like the quick and dirty version of like what blockchain is and how it works? Sure. So at its core, um, blockchain technology is a type of um, distributed ledger technology. So you can think of it as a chain of blocks where each block records a batch of transactions and each transaction contains a record for, for the ledger to show. So once transactions are, are verified by a third party, they're bundled into a block and the block is added to the chain. And that is the blockchain. And, and the crucial part is that it's almost impossible to alter the blocks on the blockchain. So this provides an immutable, trustworthy history of all transactions within the blockchain. I, I think it's, it's probably worth differentiating between two types of blockchains as well. So there's public blockchains and, and private blockchains. Um, and in my view, they're, they're quite different, or at least the benefits are different. Um, my work personally is primarily focused on public blockchains. And, and really what it comes down to is who can participate in a network um, by using it or building on it or participating in the, the validation activities. Um, so a, a public blockchain network is entirely open. Um, anyone can join and participate. They can view what's happening. Maybe they'll create something totally new using the blockchain tech. Um, maybe they'll build on top of someone else's technology or, or even copy someone else's technology, which is referred to as forking. Um, or, or maybe they'll just participate in a given network or, or use case um, if they find it interesting. On the other hand, a, a private blockchain network requires an invitation um, and, and must be validated by the network developer. Um, or, it, or activity may be constrained by a set of rules that are, are placed upon a, a network participant. So businesses that set up private blockchains will, will generally set up a, a permission network, so, so restricting who can access. So in essence, what both types of, of the core blockchain technology are used um, and, and they ensure integrity and immutability of data, um, but, but the main difference is, is the level um, of access and control over the network. So when you're, you're hearing about concepts of interoperability or trustlessness or, or even the word cryptocurrency, you should be thinking about public blockchains. And, and this is where these interconnected liquid systems, um, whether it's in the carbon market or the digital artwork, artwork space or, or whatever um, that you often hear about on the news are, are emerging. Okay, so just to make sure I have this, it's kind of like the difference between like, say if my like old school record keeping system was like, I'm just going to have some Excel sheet and then 
I could go in any time and change that. Nobody would know what happened, right? Like it would be totally, <laughs> totally opaque from the outside. The difference with blockchain is like everyone can see what's going on. They can see who did what and you can't change it once it's like published essentially. Exactly. Uh, and each entry will, will be validated um, by a third party, which is a mine or a staker, if, if you've heard those words before. Um, and yeah, it's, it's difficult, almost impossible to retroactively change those those transactions that are written on once they've been validated or verified. Great. So tell me, when we talk about carbon markets, I know something that comes up is this like idea of double dipping or double counting and offset. How can blockchain help with something like that? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Um, I think a lot of this comes down to this notion of trustlessness. Um, it's, it's a popular concept within the blockchain space. It essentially means that the participants in a given network do not have to trust each other, um, but instead they trust the system itself. So it may sound counterintuitive, but actually it's a, a really major innovation of blockchain. So in traditional systems, um, you, you rely on a, a third party to verify a transaction. Um, could be a bank, could be a government, could be a consultant, whatever. Um, but but with, with the blockchain, the, the system itself um, actually provides the, the verification and validation for, for participants. And so that means that those who use the systems can, can actually be certain that each transaction has integrity um, and that the characteristics of the, the transaction, um, such as what it represents or how much is paid to, to execute it, are transparent and, and readable for, for third parties to, to kind of, you know, validate for themselves and, and understand what's going on. And so, yeah, within, within carbon markets, this is obviously um, very important because accountability and verification establishes trust. Um, and within the carbon markets, there's been issues historically around double counting or, or double spending. And, you know, at the most basic level, if double counting or double spending is happening, um, this can reduce um, trust within the market. It can put the market's integrity into question. And of course, if consumers within that marketplace um, don't have trust that, that the market is doing what it says it should or um, what, what they believe it should, then they may essentially go elsewhere. Um, for example, if they have a, an ESG budget rather than looking into the carbon markets to, to spend and invest in the climate, they, they may well spend that on, on other activities. So it will be at the detriment to the market. Okay, I have two follow-up questions. Um, first, I'm, as you were talking about setting up this like system that uses trustlessness, you're trusting the system, not other users. How much of that depends on like how the system was set up in the first place? Like, is it only as good as like the kind of information that you're asking people to put into it? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I guess there's there's two levels um, within the system that we're developing on the Polygon public blockchain, which, which we're building on. So there's there's the kind of asset layer and then there's the application layer. The asset layer um, consists of carbon credits themselves or, or digital carbon credits. And of course, the um, interest that consumers might have within our system are going to be dependent on the type of carbon credits that are put into the system. So that's, that's one area. 
and then there's the kind of application layer which is perhaps built on top of the asset layer or maybe it's the other way around maybe the the application layer is built and the asset layer can can interact with the application layer the application layer essentially consists of a set of smart contracts so smart contracts allow people to interact with one another they're pre-programmed so they can only be executed when certain conditions are, are met it could be condition around um, price. Price is a, is a typical kind of characteristic of a, of a smart contract. So you could swap, for example, Bitcoin for $28,000 at the moment um, through a smart contract, providing you know, you're willing to pay that amount. Um, and, and so these, these can be programmed in very specific ways. And um, within our case, we have used an application known as a, an automated market mayor, maker. Um, and essentially what this is, does is it allows um, anybody to come in and pool liquidity within our application. Um, and that means that rather carbon markets have got a bit of a problem historically with liquidity being fragmented around different venues. The idea is that if you have a public liquidity pool, lots of people can contribute to that. And then likewise, lots of people can benefit from that. But of course, that's that application itself has been programmed in a very specific way that it will respond to supply and demand. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's these two kind of interacting systems. There's the asset layer that could be plugged into our application layer. And of course, if, if the asset layer is desirable, there might be more demand through that application and, and it will respond in a certain way. So it's, um, you're, you're correct to point out that, you know, thing, things can be programmed and, and um, they, they have to be programmed well to be to actually be valuable for the market, but we think we've gone some way to, to kind of demonstrating how it can be applied for carbon markets. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. So just to make sure I have my head around this, it's kind of like if you have, you know, your offset would be the asset, right? Like that's sort of what you're listing and then how you interact with it is kind of the application layer. Is that like the very simplified version of that? I'm sure there's much more nuance. Yeah, exactly. Except for what I would say is, the, the carbon credit itself is is the asset layer. The offset um, is, you know, the actual, when you claim the environmental benefit of the underlying credit. So when, what, but when you say, when you say offset, um, you know, that's another application that we've built. We've built something that allows you through the blockchain to offset your carbon credit. So essentially it, it removes the carbon credit from circulation and allows the, the individual or organization who, who executes through our, we call it our retirement aggregator smart contracts. Whoever executes through that contract is the beneficiary of that credit and therefore did the offset. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I mean, to me, it seems like that's a huge innovation because so much of what I hear, you know, people who are trying to develop carbon credits worrying about is like, we don't know what happens with them or we don't know the protocol to create the credits that are being listed. And so this seems like you're getting a nice peek kind of under the hood at what's going on without just like, you know, offset using this credit. Like we don't know how it happened or <laughs> what's going on with verification. It seems like a great way to keep track. Yeah. So, so we spoke a bit about the, the kind of the trustlessness and, and what that lends itself to is transparency, right? Because you can view this entire system uh, end to end. And so you can trust that that's what that what is what you see is happening within that system is actually happening. 
and and with that there's there's various characteristics of, of transparency that that you can kind of um accrue as as a user um so for example you can see trends of it might be price signals i was talking a minute ago about that application we created with a automated market maker technology so there's, there's a couple of transparent signals you can get from there price and also supply so you can see if lots of supply is being deposited into a, a given automated market maker or you can just specifically see okay people are trading this type of carbon credit at this type of price and and that in and of itself is quite useful information you know, if, if there's a project developer who knows that they are going to create or issue a carbon credit um that has similar characteristics to say a soil carbon project that is trading for thirty dollars um within on an automated market maker perhaps if someone comes and, and tries to offer them a low price for those carbon credits they're like hmm well actually transparently i can see in this system that is trading for a certain a certain value and so they may push back more strongly because they've got that transparent access to information likewise with a, a consumer perhaps they're offered a soil carbon credit for $60 and they say, hmm, but the project developers, you know, able to, to, to sell their credits into the market at $30. Maybe they only want to pay a 20% premium on, on that rather than a 100% premium on it. So, um, yeah, I think it's it creates a really interesting um, dynamic within the markets when, when you kind of have this level of transparency. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for breaking that down. And then my last question here, um, obviously there's been a lot going on in like the crypto space <laughs> over the last year, but how is blockchain different from crypto or cryptocurrency? Is it wrapped up? Do you have to use crypto to participate in something like this? Good question. Um, and I think sometimes maybe it's a bit misleading um, or confusing for people who are interested in the space, but, but don't really get the jargon. Blockchain is essentially the underlying technology. It's the the, the structure that's used within these systems to create things. So we spoke earlier around applications and um, everyone's probably familiar with Ethereum and, and Bitcoin. Um, so, you, so you can program the, blo the, the blockchain to create the applications and then you can interact with the applications with Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, so applications might be like Instagram or Facebook or, or whatever, um, and, and, you know, to interact with them in, in, in the blockchain space, you, you'll have to do a transaction, the transaction will have a cost. Um, and so you've got this kind of infrastructure layer at the bottom, which is the blockchain, you've got the application layer, which is a set of smart contracts that must be fulfilled to use them. And then you've got the, the cryptocurrency layer um, at the top, which is how you interact with the applications, you've got this kind of stack of of technology so cryptocurrency itself essentially is um it's a digital currency it's a, it's a digital asset it's how you interact with the system and how you fulfill the conditions of, of the smart contracts themselves so blockchain is a system cryptocurrency is a token blockchain scope is much broader than cryptocurrency blockchain can be used to develop different things okay i'm coming out of left field with this, tell me if this analogy works because it, it just kind of popped into my head. So it's kind of like the blockchain would be like your your hardware. The smart contracts are sort of like the software. They're like governing how you interact with the hardware. And then to play, you'd need like a login or a token. And that would be like your crypto. Is that is that like, you know, just a very basic analogy? Does that work? 
to even describe it? Yeah, I think so. May, maybe the, the the blockchain itself, and they they can be programmed. Um, there's there's also a hardware layer with blockchain networks. So I wouldn't want to conflate the blockchain itself with with hardware. So you can, you know, earlier we spoke about the validation of blocks within a blockchain. You physically require hardware to validate that. So the blockchain perhaps borrows from the hardware. It's also programmable through a programming language to create software. And then I would say the application layer is more like the software layer. Okay. Okay. No, that's really helpful. Um, and then my last question, Alex, for you before we we close out here. Um, how do you see the space changing or developing? Like what excites you the most about what could be coming down the pike for blockchain and climate and carbon markets? So I think some of the benefits that blockchain can bring to the market will be hard to replicate elsewhere. Um, this idea of collectively pooling liquidity for the market, I think is, is very interesting and, and could be impactful in a market that struggled um, with liquidity. I think the transparency and, and trustlessness of blockchain is, is also going to be hard to replicate, or it could be replicable, but it would cost a lot of money to, to replicate it. And I think because of these quite powerful forces that are also market needs, the market needs to function more efficiently and, and more transparently. Um, I think over time we'll, we'll see a lot more um, acceptance and, and as we start to see acceptance, particularly from project developers and from consumers, I would expect to see more and more of the market looking to this technology to fulfill certain requirements. So. Looking forward, yeah, very excited to, to having conversations with, with project developers and consumers to kind of demonstrate what we can do today. And then with those stakeholders, actually building new innovations and, and new things that can kind of meet their needs um, and kind of help this space grow and kind of show how the carbon markets can scale. And you know, we read, read lots of things about how the carbon markets need to scale 15 times by 2030 and 100 times by 2050. Well, how are they going to get there? And I think the technology we're talking about today could be one of the ways that we can get the market to kind of go through its next growth phase. Great. And then one last question. When you talk about collective liquidity, can you break that down? What does that mean for maybe someone who's interested in participating? Yeah, so go, it goes back to this um, this automated market maker technology. Um, that technology is also referred to as a liquidity pool. The idea behind the liquidity pool is that rather than having a centralized entity, which is clearing trades um, on behalf of, of market participants, you just create a pool with, with two assets in there. One asset would be the carbon credit and one asset would be another token, could be Ethereum. Um, could be cleaner, could be um, whatever you so choose. And the idea is that by creating this pool with these two tokens in, every time one of those assets, so either the, the cryptocurrency described or the carbon credit, um, once they're moved in or out of there, the, the pool will just respond to supply and demand. So when there's more demand for one, for one asset, of course, the, the price will increase with respect to the other one. And, and the idea is that this liquidity isn't created by a centralized actor. Um, it's just publicly 
created. So perhaps there's a carbon project developer who, who wants to bring their carbon credit to the market and they can directly access that. They don't need a, a centralized counterparty to take it off their hands and send it to the demand side of the market. Could be a carbon market trader or you know who are, who are responsible for creating liquidity in the market in a general sense they could see opportunities perhaps and start interacting with these liquidity pools perhaps there's arbitrage opportunities between different pools and likewise at, at the other side for the consumer the consumer can also come in um, and actually take credits out of the pool um, for, for their offsetting needs down the line so it's, it's this idea of without using too much jargon of having like a permissionless system that people can interact with and hopefully through the buy side and the sell side interacting with one another you you create a a price signal from that pool based on on the market trends so it's it's a really interesting technology that um that's being brought to the markets i think it's been something that that's been used extensively within the blockchain space but hasn't been really been applied too broadly within um within other markets but we're starting to see financial institutions I'm interested in in this technology we're interested in applying it to the carbon markets so yeah it's it's an interesting innovation yeah perfect well thank you so much for being here today it's been great to have you on yeah thanks so much for having me i enjoyed it Whew. okay we covered a lot in today's episode but if you're curious about the concepts that alex mentioned and you want to know more check out the show notes there will be a lot of resources there so you can dig a little deeper and if you're interested in carbon and ecosystem services, come visit us at decode6.org. We'll see you over there.